I definitely think that like my suffering through two years of trans BC enduro, <laughs> I actually, I like kind of adopted like cyclocross has always been something I've loved and it, it single speed worlds in Portland was what got me back into racing. Actually, I like decided that I wanted to like try and win this crazy obscure race where like the only rule is if you don't want a tattoo then don't win (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the common threads during each episode we'll travel through time to explore the childhoods influences and habits of some of the world's leading athletes industry experts and entrepreneurs subscribe today on apple podcast or your favorite listening app and visit ProKit, where we bring together the best interviews, podcasts, and articles in a new platform for athletes. I'm your host, David Swain. So I am here with Sarah Sturm for The Common Threads, otherwise known as Sturmy, on the internet. And, <laughs> uh, and we are here to talk bikes and a whole lot more. I found you last year... I don't remember where, probably with your uh, beaming, smiling face on your Instagram. (laughs) And I was like, this person looks like a lot of fun. And then I looked you up and saw that you were having like the most breakout 2019 season that I've ever seen, like winning (laughs) and podium, like all the biggest races. And I was like, this is crazy. She's winning on gravel, on cyclocross, on road on mountain say how are you doing all four in the same year so um and so now 2020 you are sitting in your home in durango colorado that's right and um no races on tap so we finally have time to to catch up so welcome and i start with a very hard question always which is what did you have for breakfast this morning Ooh, I love breakfast. I wake up only for breakfast. <laughs> um, I had my go-to, which is two slices of toast, for, uh, some bread from a local bakery here, Raisin Pecan. And I did some, this company called Trail Butter, makes amazing peanut butter with all this good stuff mixed in. Did that on top, some jelly, and then I had a smoothie. That's pretty and good. And I had a donut. <laughs> Whoa. Do you have a typical breakfast? Always the PBJ. I love, yeah. Oh my God. And it's like going to become my thing because I made the mistake of talking about my ride food at Belgium waffle ride being like a bunch of peanut butter jelly sandwiches, but I truly do like it. I'm a big fan of peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) You can't go wrong. I ate peanut butter and jelly every day for two years in 2002 to 2004 to pay for quitting my job and traveling that, and, and it was good and now i have a lifelong love of of the pb and j so it didn't burn I'm you wi- out i'm with you yep although i have kind of transitioned to almond butter i don't know why i just did i know my boyfriend he'll just crush almond butter so we can't buy it and i like don't care so i'd rather not spend ten dollars on yeah. a thing and so, i don't know and i'm not okay are you a nutella person I love Nutella, but I'm trying not to eat. I don't, I don't exercise quite as much as you. So I try not to eat too much <laughs> Nutella, but I am a huge fan of Nutella. I feel like I'm the only person you don't who like doesn't Nutella? love. I no, I mean, I will eat it. <laughs> don't uh. get me wrong, but I won't like seek it out. I'd rather just eat like a can of frosting. What about on a crepe? 
oh well that's different yeah that's good <laughs> <laughs> but then like lemon juice with powdered sugar that's, that's, Ooh, that's so good too that is that is true <laughs> man um, okay well there's so, that answer <laughs> okay we got breakfast out of the way so so what would you have been doing right now yeah well i think lost and found gravel would be coming up which is like my fifth that was technically my first ever gravel race they like i had just signed with specialized for cyclocross and they're like oh here's this thing called the gravel bike and i i remember i like kind of made fun of uh the future shock which is like the diverge like that's the coolest part of the diverge and i was you know newly signed athlete like didn't know like don't make fun of your equipment <laughs> in front of the people who give it to you but i mean i was just joking and i was like cool look at this little thing and i was like oh my god a hundred miles into this race i was like thank god for the thing that i made fun of <laughs> that is amazing so but i would yeah let's talk about your entry into like kind of your athletic background what you were doing as a kid and um you know i know you you got really into racing and then you did the career thing and now you're doing both <laughs> as a pro yeah so um, that's i mean that's it <laughs> yeah so yeah what were you, what were you doing as a as a kid growing up um yeah well i grew up in albuquerque new mexico and um funny enough my dad was always into road biking which meant i was very much not into it <laughs> we were like cool you do your weird long rides on the weekends and we'll go play soccer and swim and hang out and um i got really into skateboarding um i was terrible at it i joined like the new mexico extreme sports club um, I think I was just destined to live in the mountains. I remember just being obsessed with climbing and ice climbing and never mountain biking or cycling. I, I don't know why, but yeah, I just really loved the allure of mountain sports. But growing up in Albuquerque, I really didn't do any of those things. I very much did the like, I was on swim team and like from when I was super little, then I ran track and then I played soccer a lot. And soccer is kind of the main, my main sport. I always loved sports and met a lot of my really close friends still through that. Um, and then I got really burned out when I was in my senior year of high school and I broke my ankle and that kind of just, I don't know, it just kind of zapped off. I mean, you have kids like, <laughs> you know how it is with teenagers. You're like, oh, and done. Um, but through soccer, I wanted to play, I, I found out about Fort Lewis college here in Durango and I wanted to play for that team mainly as a way to come to school here. And then I got a good academic scholarship and I decided to try a triathlon and, um, yeah, I kind of got, I dabbled in like the sprint distant triathlon, um, for my summer between high school and college. And I was like, yep still hate running and swimming <laughs> but i'll call up the cycling team and see if i can race for this cycling team that my new college has you know randomly and i i did i called them and apparently that was unusual because you i what i didn't know was at the time fort lewis cycling had the best cycling collegiate cycling team in the country um so that was just super good luck and um and it is it's still an amazing program it is the reason why i got into cycling and stayed with cycling 
mainly because I, you know, I met all my friends and it was so much fun and so scary and so hard, but mostly really fun. <laughs> and that was all road. So I started with road and anyone who <laughs> rode bikes with me when I was 18 knows that I was the kid that took longer to descend down the road to climb than I took to climb up it <laughs> and walked over speed bumps. And then needless to say, it took me a little time to get into the dirt things. Um, actually, that's not true. I did sign, I like signed up for the cyclocross stuff that year too. And that was my first year. That would have been in 2009. That was my first year doing cyclocross. So, so for all the people out there who get intimidated on their first downhill on their <laughs> mountain bike or road bike, it even happens to, it is intimidating. Oh, yeah. It's scary, especially when you're riding with people who are better than you. Um, at the oh, beginning, yeah. there's nothing. Yeah. It's oh yeah. Than... I tell, yeah, I, I don't know. I can speak from experience, like a lot of people that I ride and race with now in Durango specifically, including my boyfriend, like they all went through that when they were super young. Cause you know, they usually they lived in like Durango attracts mountain bikers, um, especially to the collegiate program. Um, and these kids, especially now they've gone through NICA or some sort of junior development thing. And so they experienced that fear piece when they were, gosh, I mean, at this point they were probably on striders <laughs> yeah. and I experienced it when, you know, as a late teenager, which is still early. I mean, I think Georgia Gould didn't start riding until she was 28. She was like smoking yeah. cigarettes. So <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, especially for women. Yeah. I know. Um, there's so much to talk about on, on, I know <laughs> on, uh, how things have changed, like NICA. So for people who aren't familiar with that, so there's a high school mountain biking, what is it, an association that has come together across the yeah, country and very yep. in a bunch of the states. And now there's yeah. mountain bike races for high school teams, which a lot of people are yeah. doing. Yeah, it's, um, it's all regional. So like, or I think it's just state. It's by state state i don't I, i've heard them talk about it by how many states they have and i the last yeah, i, I heard it was like a huge number like 25 or 30 states oh yeah the, yeah it's crazy it's grown i mean we had i think it is by the state because durango has hosted the state champs for nica and i am not kidding you out of all the professional races i've gone to maybe aside from an ews um the enduro world series it had so many more people at this Nike race than I've seen at cyclocross nationals at mountain bike nationals at Leadville at like <laughs> at BWR. I mean, yeah. it, it far, but like the number, maybe not the number of participants, but the number of people at this event, it was so cool. And like all these kids racing around. It's so, yeah, exciting. it was rad. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. And now, and now I coach, uh, Durango Devo, which is a little local junior mountain bike program that has produced Olympians and state champions and almost world champions. I mean, this program here is, is crazy. It's awesome. Um, and I get to coach for those guys and the college that I once attended. <laughs> so with your, you were talking about the, you know, the being lucky to stumble into this college who had mm -hmm. an amazing cycling team. Um, 
what was it about the team or the coaches that stuck with you mm. and, and influenced your decision to kind of go all in on it? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I was 18 and leaving home at the time. My parents were, you know, fresh into their <laughs> new divorce and the economy was tanking and there was all this and it was just stressful. I remember being so incredibly homesick. Oh my God. Like, like the, and I felt like the only one too. Like I was just crying all the all time. The time. Yeah. Oh, it was so brutal. Um, well, I just like can feel that in my stomach. I sometimes get it when I'm racing now that like weird homesick feeling, but anyway, I was like, how long yeah, were you going- homesick for? The first semester was okay. so, so hard. Yeah. And and even into the second one, but by, by the time I got to my sophomore year, I mean, I had my, my little Volvo packed up my 87 Volvo, um, packed up with all my stuff. And I was like, mom, I'm coming home. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, okay, just, you'll be here and you'll just, you'll be here. Yeah. Good (laughs) luck. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe I'll try and stay another. I mean, yeah, it was so anyway, all that to say, the cycling team was, you know, I was so desperate for this sense of community and family and I was missing everything about back home and, and all that was so conflicting because I so wanted to get out of Albuquerque. I wanted nothing more than to leave, but then I was like, you know, wanting to go back, but not. And, and cycling was, you know, this new exciting thing, but it also is really hard and scary. And I was really, really bad at it. And the one thing that stayed true through my whole story is that I am a competitive person with myself mainly. And so I was like entering into this whole new sport that I was so bad at. And everyone there was so good at everything. And yeah, I just, I think what really, what really kept me in was like, it was an instant group of friends and it was a group that like, I was learning a ton about the bikes, about the culture, about, you know, everything. And, and, and it allowed me, I really liked like every single weekend I was gone. And so it was like this defined, like, all right, we're doing all of these things together. And so I never had that, like, lonely feeling when I was on these races and so I think I think that's why I I stayed with it I mean my first race weekend was or my first weekend in college we drove eight hours to Colorado Springs to go ride on the velodrome and they were like hey here you go new person here's this is called the track bike don't coast (laughs) so I really I just remember you have some epic crashes in your first (laughs) no no you, you know were, what? Because you no. were timid or because you just, you just no, were I don't, going for I just, it and you just held it together. Yeah. I was so hyper aware of everything. Yeah. yeah and, and then I went to nationals because they needed girls. So I learned how to ride a track bike. Learned, I mean, I'm very much not a sprinter. So they're like, Hey, you're going to do the points race, which is still so scary. Like I think back to that. I mean, girls were crashing and like snapping their arms in half and, <laughs> Yeah, now I think back and I'm like, oh my God, my poor parents. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was like my introduction. And then I was like, sign me up. I'm in. Cyclocross, cool. Doing it. Like mountain bike, probably not going to do that one. <laughs> road, I'm in. Like I got that. Like I know how to ride a road bike. And so I was, you know, very new, but I 
definitely was like so entertained by it that I just tried everything and I think didn't care if I, I mean, I'm sure I kind of cared, but I mainly found a fun group of people that, I mean, truly I'm 30 now and they're all still my friends. Yeah. Like close friends. <laughs> what did those next few years look like? Um, a lot of, a lot of improvement, I would say. Um, I always felt like I was naturally good at road. Um, and then, but then I fit in a lot better with the mountain bikers, um, like just the personality stuff. And I just, I liked camping and, and so that was kind of my, my desire. And, and Durango, we have all these amazing, uh, local trails, like, I mean, literally on campus of at Fort Lewis. And so I started trying mountain biking when I was um, a sophomore and then my went to my first mountain bike nationals as a junior and I did really well because it was a, a super uh, not technical climb. And so I could just power up the climb and then I, literally the whole field would come by me. You just hang on. <laughs> oh, those poor girls, like, it was like a fire. It was in the North star and it was like this fire road climb. And I would just get up there in the like top five, which I was like, Holy shit, yeah. I'm mountain biking. And actually Ned Overin, the mountain bike legend here, he had like, I'm the same size as his wife. And I borrowed her. I didn't even have a mountain bike. I borrowed her mountain bike and there I was. And then I think I got third. That's amazing at my first mountain bike nationals for college. And, yeah. and then I was like, all right, this is something I'm going to work on. And, and then for years in, until, I mean, <laughs> still, <laughs> it's really, it's such a hard sport mountain biking. <laughs> it's the, such a hard sport. Uh, I mean, this is like, it could be a whole, a whole podcast and I'm so bad at downhilling on my mountain bike that I won't even know what questions to ask. Um, I just know I'm not very good at it because people go faster <laughs> than me. So, but what are some of the things you've you've learned on that that like yeah you know there there are some basics right like even just sighting yeah yeah totally I mean the basics well one now the equipment um, is truly since I started is is so much better like I I got into mountain biking when 29ers were kind of coming onto the scene so a bigger bike wheel and they're awesome but at the time for small people like me, five, three to five, four, they really, oof, they did not fit. And it was not very confidence inspiring, especially, I mean, there was only cross country bikes, really cross country and downhill. And now since then, there's this bike called the trail bike, which basically it has geometry. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure every single bike ma major bike company makes a trail bike. And it basically is like geometry that makes you feel like you're not going to die on yeah. the descent, but you can actually have fun pedaling up, you know, and that um, I like to tell people, well, I actually quit racing mountain bikes because it just wasn't fun. Cause it's same thing. Like I, I was just, I was strong in the climbs, but my technical skills, I was so far behind everyone. Um, and you know, I have fear built in. <laughs> I don't have that daredevil gene that um, people like my boyfriend have. And um, it just wasn't that fun. And so he was like, why didn't you quit? Like I, you know, raced a marathon mountain bike nationals. And I was like, yeah, I guess, 
I guess I don't have to do this. <laughs> and he's like, try this. So he got me a, a trail bike and um, I joined him on the Colorado trail. Um, he was riding it from Denver to Durango and I joined him in Salida and I was like, open my world to this new type of challenging myself or like this new type of challenge, which was like pushing myself on a bike, but, and there was a finish, but no one cared if I made it. There was like this finish line that I had in my head that I was pushing towards because it's challenging riding on, you know, high country trails like that. And they're long days. I mean, it's like seven hours. You might not be at like your VO2 max, but you're out there, you know, trying to complete something. And I wasn't feeling like I was just the worst mountain biker on the planet, which was really nice and refreshing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's kind of what kept me in, in the sport. Cause I mean, for quite a few years, like I dabbled in the pro mountain bike scene and, and at cross country. And it just, I don't know, like I, I was having fun in some ways, but it also was, it wasn't fun <laughs> in a lot of ways. It was really hard. Um, so did and, you take, did you take yeah. years off from mm-hmm. racing entirely? Yeah. Yeah. So the timeline kind of went like, all right, graduated from college. I actually like ended up winning a short track national title on the mountain bike, which was awesome. Um, and, and then I signed on to this kind of local pro team called the sweet elite. Nice. <laughs> we were sponsored by specialized in the Rocky mountain chocolate factory. <laughs> it was two, awesome. Two things um, you need. Yeah. We, I like to call us team diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bunch of, I mean, we had like some stars on that team from Howard Gratz and Payson, um, and Sepp and Teal Stetson Lee. I mean, there's like so many <laughs> cycling stars that went through that program. Kaylee Blevins, Christopher's sister. Anyway. So I was on that team for two years and it was, so many highs and so many lows traveling across the country in this van and getting last at a lot of pro races. (laughs) And then after that, I joined a different local team and kind of a couple weeks into that, I was like, yeah, I think I just need a break. And so I quit for a couple of years. I can't remember exactly how many, three, three or four. And then I started racing um, Enduros which is everything that I'm bad at as my mom was like explaining what an enduro was to my mom, who is like one of my biggest supporters. I was like, yeah, so you do this whole day, you ride all these starts and then they only time the descent. (laughs) And she's like, isn't that what you're the worst at? (laughs) And I am. And it was a great, yeah, it was, it was an awesome experience because I didn't, I never to this day, I never have looked at a result from an enduro I've just done them and participated and tried to do my best and um I'm I even did an EWS in New Zealand when I was living there and that is like the best enduro racers in the entire world and then me on like getting scared and running down half of the stuff but I did it and I finished I had no idea what an enduro I did grinduro last year Um, oh I did too (laughs) yeah and, but I, I, all I did to train was like ride my bike far on basically on the road. <laughs> and I showed up and I was like, wait, they're timing downhills. Like, oh, you really didn't Oh, know. I mean, I, I mean, I sort of knew I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like I had, no, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know that you were going to be 
you know, people yeah. passing you like they were on a motorcycle with their foot down, <laughs> with their whole bike sliding around the corner. And I was like, I only rode the fire roads in Marin. And yeah, so that that yeah. was an eye opener to bring it to life for people who have not done those or don't know what it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I really <laughs> encourage people to do stuff that they're bad at, though. Like, truly, like, if you're scared of, like, endurance, sign up for a, yeah. a, an endurance race. Just do it. Because yeah. guess what? There's t- there's it's there's so people fun. there that are doing the same, th- and it's really it's, it's good so for fun. you to be really bad at something. And like I I remember this moment very clearly. It was in we uh, Dylan, my boyfriend and I, we've done this race called the Trans BC Enduro. It's a six day stage race um, enduro um, in BC, and they have the scariest, the steepest. I mean, it's it's so gnarly. And on day one, I mean, you're riding for like seven hours and you're riding on like the most gripped trails ever you can ever imagine. Like so steep, full face helmets, goggles, like basically downhilling, (laughs) but then you have to ride. So you're getting fatigued. And so my fitness definitely helped. But the, the last stage of the first day, there was this huge gap jump. I mean, and there was this like ramp that, I'm still convinced it was vertical. Like you just fell down it and then it pushed you perfectly into this gap jump. And it was a step up from this gap. And I, it was so, it was so scary. But you and did it? Everyone, no, Every, no, 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 I did you're not. Like, no. <laughs> everyone thinks I'm going to say I did it, but I didn't. It was so scary. And literally every single other person I felt was doing it because someone had had a really terrible crash on the go around and so they shut the go around down and I freaked out all and of course my boyfriend who is an amazing racer I mean he's like at the top of the men's group you know winning the thing he's like just don't break (laughs) he's like it's a perfect it's all built for you just don't break and I just had a meltdown and I was like so mortified and I had to run I mean, probably running down this like yeah. mountainside was way more dangerous than just hitting it. And I just filled my goggles with tears and I felt like such a failure. And I was like, I don't even deserve to be here. And I was like trying to convince everyone around me, like, like, see how terrible I am. And then I just had to do this. Like, I like cried in the bathroom at uh, where we were staying. And I was like, all right, I can either be last and be so not fun to be around and cry or like you know be a bummer or I can be last and have fun (laughs) and be fun to be around because the thing about enduros is that you're not like starting at like a certain time like you can ride with whoever you want the whole day you just race alone for these segments and so that was like a really important moment for me and like learning how to like be bad at something and still be someone who people want to ride with and be around. And I made some really hilarious, crazy, crazy people. They're crazy people who are oh good gosh. at that yeah. stuff, but they're still my good friends. But if I had been the baby that I wanted to be truly, I mean, I really wanted to be well, that's a sourpuss about yeah, it. You mean your point about signing up for things that put you outside your comfort zone. Like if you look at be how much you've put yourself outside your comfort zone in intense mountain biking how much has that contributed to your success and because you're saying you know you've got you have a fear factor like 
But then you show up at cyclocross and can win a national championship on single speed. Yeah, so I mean, like in sure cyclocross for people who walk us through what, you know, <laughs> what that looks like is that requires some totally. serious bike handling skill to be on yeah. the podium. Yeah. Well, I love, I love cyclocross for so many reasons. My favorite I think is trying to explain what cyclocross is on an airplane when I'm flying to these races in yeah. the middle of winter and <laughs> people are like, what are you doing? Um, it's a European sport. So it started in Europe as a way for road racers to train in the off season. Um, and so they would train by like literally racing from town to town in like the most miserable <laughs> weather, but they're like running through people's gardens with their bikes on their shoulders and like upstairs. And so it evolved to be this like circuit so you have a lapped course um with a you know finite amount of time usually the women's races are from like 40 to 45 minutes 50 being long um and yeah it's like in the craziest conditions like the snowier the shittier the muddier the slipperier the better and uh and you're on like a bike that looks like a road bike but with knobby tires so those are all the p and there's a lot of running you have to like carry your bike over hills and <laughs> it's it's so wacky there's a lot of crashing it. yeah and there's Just a lot of sliding crashing, out it's on not it scary yeah yeah not you're not scary, at high like, speed biking yeah. no no yeah. it's like honestly it's like the safest sport ever yeah, totally. in, in a lot of ways and it's it's cool because you don't have to live in the mountains and you don't like you can be in cities and they have like these great, like local, like Chicago has an amazing uh, local series there that like hundreds of people come out to. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that like my suffering through two years of trans BC enduro, <laughs> I actually, I like kind of adopted like cyclocross has always been something I've loved and it, it single speed worlds in Portland was what got me back into racing actually. I like decided that I wanted to like try and win this crazy obscure race where like the only rule is if you don't want a tattoo, then don't win. <laughs> <laughs> and you won. So I was like, that's the race that I want to train yeah. for. <laughs> Wait, um, did you win that yeah. one? Uh, no, I got third. <laughs> okay. So no tattoo. No, I've actually gotten third twice now okay. at single speed worlds. My mom is pumped that I don't have to get a tattoo though. Yeah. <laughs> Well, talk about that, like, uh, on rules, it sound, you don't like to follow between the lines too closely, <laughs> right? So no. how, how has that influenced, um, there's like, it seems like every year in cycling, there's new adventures, like gravel was not like a big thing a couple of years ago and it's becoming <laughs> totally. much bigger and there's all these new, op how do how do you think about picking what you're going to be doing and. Just I just am going to pick what I, yeah, you just, yeah, I realized after I quit racing mountain bikes that I, I am, I don't have the focus and the determination that it takes to be a world cup athlete. I, I don't, I'm not mentally in the same place that these amazing women like Kate Courtney or Sophia, my friend, like they, they can show up to these courses, like, you know, Mount St. Anne, everyone knows the course of Mount St. Anne. Like it's the same every year, like relatively, but like there's this set world cup schedule. They're all racing these weekends. I can't, I have so much respect for <laughs> the people that can do that because I am so not that 
that way and um I have to try totally different things so the newer the better um which for me last year I think that's why I had such a good season because I don't know I didn't know about kind of like you with Greg Duro like I kind of knew Belgian waffle ride like I'd heard about it um but I totally didn't know what that was about and and I think there's an advantage to kind of showing up with just not knowing what to expect <laughs> and how did you how have you kind of figured that out about yourself mm, kind of- therapy <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I mean uh yeah having having someone to talk to and like through like talking through some of my anxieties about this identity that I had and what excited me and what was inspiring and you know what I was driven towards like talking through all those pieces and just kind of, you know, taking a step back and seeing like, okay, um, I'm actually excited to go race my bike. And that uh, truly, that was a sensation I hadn't ever had because I got into the sport through bike racing. Like everything was aimed at bike racing. It was never aimed at like just the experience in between. It was all like, you know, I mean, it was my group of friends were all doing that so that was that was fun but like I had never known this like feeling of like oh I'm actually like excited to see if I can complete this yeah and the first time I experienced that was the uh Telluride 100 Telluride's a little mountain town kind of close to us um but it has these like insane peaks and they're (laughs) before this whole Everesting thing was a thing 16,000 feet of climbing in a mountain bike race is a shitload of climbing and I was like, all right, sign me up. I've never done a hundred miles. I've never done that much climbing. Like, I just, just kind of want to see if I can do it. And, you know, I did. So talking to somebody, whether it's a therapist or a friend, like, did he or she ask you any questions or make you do any exercises, like, or things mm. that got you to that realization, like to figuring stuff out, like what motivated you and mm. to find that excitement? Well, I or guess, was it just yeah. talking? Well, yeah, for me, as you're probably picking up, I can just kind of talk through my feelings. Um, But having someone, you know, I'm lucky now to be working with uh, a woman in Durango who also she was a road racer. Um, And so that was just kind of by happenstance. Like it was super lucky that she also kind of knows what it's like to be a bike racer and a female and (laughs) all of those pieces. But um, actually, when I first started talking, with somebody it was a sports psychologist um that is very much in the cycling scene and she kind of she honestly helped me quit cycling Hmm. she was like whoa i don't think that this is i don't think this is what you want to do and so she was the one i don't work with her anymore but i always kind of chuckle because i'm like yeah i started working with this sports psychologist and she helped me quit yeah Um, but that was so important for me. And I think that was the first step. There was never like a, we sat down and she's like, okay, here's my list of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was very much like everything about the sport. Um, and I, I think about all the things that I choose is process based. Um, it's, yeah, it's very much about the process, be it mental health, the training, the racing, the riding, graphic design the process behind all of those things is kind of I guess what I'm drawn towards I like the I like the journey more than the destination sometimes 
Yeah, that's good. Cause I, I mean, a lot of people get to the destination and you know, there's a lot of talk about things like post-race depression, right? Like you do everything yeah. to get to the destination and then the destination's yeah. done. So if you're not enjoying the grind and the process, then you're in a dangerous place when you get to the finish line. Um, yeah. Oh, totally. And what about, so on the process and enjoying finding ways to, you know, do you naturally enjoy the grind and the process or did you have to like, how do you stay motivated now that there's no races and last year you were out there like killing it. So. <laughs> well, I mean, and it full disclosure, like at first when everything was happening, I mean, I had a lot of anxiety this winter um, going into the 2020 season. Cause I've never, well, aside from cross nationals last year, when I went into the single speed race to defend a national title, like I've never done that. And I was probably the most nervous anyone was for a single speed cyclocross race. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever been that nervous in jean shorts over spandex. <laughs> That was a, I'm uh, going to, I have to get a picture of that for this, um, this article. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you one of my over the bars on that race. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of anxiety going into the season and that was actually something that I was working very, very, uh, closely with my therapist on is like, and my coach, um, who <laughs> I always kind of say like Rotem, who's a friend of mine from college, he coaches me and he's mostly my therapist, <laughs> yeah. but before the pandemic, it was something that, um, I had a lot of nerves about going into Belgium waffle ride again. Like there's a lot of fast women mm. out there and now I'm not this like dark horse who can just show up and like, okay, if I finish, that's going to be great. Like everyone's like expecting and mainly myself, like I'm expecting to win this thing again and yeah. I want to. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of nerve <laughs> right there. And then going into this season that there were some repeat races, which I, as I said, I'm not a huge fan of that. I think because I don't like the pressure. <laughs> I mean, you have some big sponsors too. How has, has that pressure, does that bring <laughs> pressure and anxiety with it or not really? Cause you've chosen well and they've oh, chosen man. well. I honestly well, yeah, I have, I have an awesome group of sponsors and, and, um, when I was signing with some of them, I made it very, very, very clear that like my, me, <laughs> who I am is not just about racing and you're, you're signing with me because of all these other things that I'm interested in, you know, being the training, the riding, the adventures, you know, a lot of, a lot of the other pieces. Um, and I, and I made sure of that just so like we were aligned, you know, yeah. I'm not going to take on a sponsor just because they're like, Oh, you're fast or you had a good season. So we're going to pick you up. And then next year, if you don't do well, we're going to drop you. Um, just, I'm just like, it's just That's pressure great. that will yeah. make me not do well. Um, and I don't think that those partnerships are authentic for me. Um, but I think regardless, if I had, if I had zero sponsors this year, I still would be feeling the same amount of pressure just for myself. <laughs> it's just me. I just am like that. I, I think that's something that, um, is in me. I'm just competitive with myself. I want to push, I want to push myself as, as much as I can. And I like that. 
but it's also like the, the shadow side is that, you know, it comes with the potential of failure and that's hard. <laughs> when you failed as a, you know, play, you had a big soccer game as a kid mm-hmm. and what position did you play? Mostly. I was center mid. Okay. So you screw up and your team loses. What did you do? <laughs> Probably cried. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, re- I remember feeling that like frustration. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, and disappointment in myself. Like I, I, oh man, I can like, so feel it or like hmm. the individual sports too, you know, like swim team and like the nerves of like being on that start block and oh my gosh and then just like at the end if you don't perform you just feel this like dread of like Ugh. so what are the some of the things you do now to you know cuz that that competitive drive obviously has created the person you are who is creative and ultra successful at the things you attack but you know like you said it comes with a you know, so what have you done? <laughs> what have you done to kind of find the the balance in it? Yeah, I mean, I I work with my therapist on um, a mantra actually for um, my race at Single Speed Worlds, and that was hmm. that was a yeah. really last cyclocross season was tough because you know it's kind of my bread and butter, like it's where it's what I love to do, but that's a whole other. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go down a whole other tangent, but, um, all that to say, uh, working on my like mental prep for these races and, and making sure that I'm making my brain <laughs> realize that if, if I don't get the result that I want at this one race, there's always another opportunity and kind of helping myself remember and like alleviate some pressure, um, by, reminding (laughs) my body and brain um that it's not a reflection on who I am as a person and that I'm gonna always do my best and race my hardest I mean I don't remember the last time I've dropped out of a race I mean I did because of an injury but like by my own like volition (laughs) like I've I I will always, always race my hardest and my best on that day. And there are going to be races and days that that does not pan out. And I think the work to be done is accepting that to be okay. It's crazy. Like, I mean, I've been an athlete for like a serious athlete for 10 years now. Um, And that's something that I I feel like people, when they watch the Belgian waffle ride movie, like they're like, Oh, this girl must've just like hopped into this bike yeah, race. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like that was not it. I've definitely had never done like a race like that before, but I've been a competitive athlete for a long time. And, um, for things to align like they did on that day, um, or even Leadville, um, or steamboat, like I had some really lucky days that, you know, there's some luck and there's a lot of hard work behind it, but, um, for things to line up, like winning a world championship, which I've never done and I will never do, but people like Kate Courtney, um, it's incredibly inspiring because you know, every single woman at that level has been training and peaking with all their races for that exact same day 
And, and truly they're all like, they're probably all on such this like baseline level of like they're freaks of nature athletically. And they're also incredibly driven hard workers. So those two pieces combined, like they're like a fraction of a percentage of people out there already. And then it's just this amazing test of mental toughness. And like when I watched Kate Courtney win her first world championship, it was like, the coolest moment in sport that I've ever seen. It was so rad because like for everything to line up like that, yeah. I mean, it's just so special. So awesome. And I, and yeah. Um, and the pick the I don't know, her with her I parents at the finish line. Oh, oh my God. God. It's amazing. I mean, that girl, and the crowd so roaring and people just, everyone should go watch that just to see what bike racing. Yeah. Te- televi- I mean, like, and yeah. you can, you can, if you don't have a ton of time, just watch the last three laps or something yeah. like just watching this. And it, she was the youngest woman ever to do yeah. that, but it's, it's cool. Like it's inspiring um, because, you know, she didn't win it the la- the next year. And, yeah. um, and guess what? Back. For me, she's still okay. And oh, so for yeah. me, I'm like, Oh, it's okay. you can still be, yeah, you can still be okay. <laughs> it's like the Olympics. I mean, I follow ski racing pretty closely and Oh, cool. Everybody just watch, you know, you watch the world championships and the Olympics, but every other race, <laughs> you know, they could win all season long and no one even pays it. Like, unless you're a <laughs> totally. diehard, you don't even know until that, totally. one, that one race. So th- when we talked in the fall, you're like, I don't use a training plan. I don't train with heart rate. I don't use a power meter right? Like all the things that like every cyclist is, or not every, but many are so, you know, data driven and, um, seem like you are more like finding something inside that drives you and still working super hard at it. Like talk about that approach and kind of, you know, where you are now with it. Yeah. Um, no, this is, I love this topic. Uh, everyone is always very, very curious about this. I don't train with power. I don't, uh, I've started using heart rate, um, just to make sure I'm not like overcooking it, but I wouldn't say like, I'm never looking at any of that during a race ever. And like thinking like, Oh no, this number. I mean, I, if you ask me zones, I wouldn't know what to tell you. I don't know any of that stuff. Um, I am someone who just goes off of feeling and I think there's pluses and minuses. Um, to that like I'm sure I'm missing you know some things of like you know maybe I'm overdoing it in some ways and not pushing in other ways but I'm just so much uh like a mental racer like if I see someone in front of me I'm going to try and get them it doesn't matter how high my heart rate is or what my power is doing that day like I don't know moms have been known to lift cars off of babies (laughs) like yeah. I'm really like, I, this, this is an interesting topic because I don't want to like, I don't want to encourage people to not use power because it's all, it's all relative. Like it's, it's whatever minimizes stress for yourself or makes you feel good about yourself. So if like, if you are a data driven person, like that makes sense. A lot of people at Specialized who I've met all use that information. I mean, I, I am just someone who has never Um, because, and that has been fairly strategic because I never was a good test taker in school. (laughs) 
which is why I decided to go into graphic design and not into science because I felt like I wanted credit for all of the hard work that I had put in versus just this one test. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of how I feel about power. And I don't want to do all of this power testing and know my numbers and, and then have this number that is associated with how fast I can go. Because I think that that for me is limiting because um, I would just fixate on that and just like, oh, well, this is my number. I'm just going to do this. So that's kind of why I've never done it. A little history yeah. there. Like it is intentional. I'm not just like totally, totally. oblivious. Like, yeah. oh, there's power. Who knew? Um, but I'm sure. People- yeah, well, you have to understand <laughs> what motivates you. And th- knowing those yeah. numbers for some people, it could be the thing that you get the number and then it tells you you're slow. Right. And right. Then, I, yeah. And you're like, yeah. shit, I'm slow. I'm, I guess I better <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on your side of that equation where it's just how I work. I, yeah. I don't want to know if I'm fast or I'm slow. I want to just know that I can go and work as hard as yes. I can. Yeah. Well, so since we last talked, like that's always kind of been, you know, something that I, um, I'm pretty like strict with myself on and um this year my diverge showed up with a thing called the power meter <laughs> and i was like ah, what do i do like called my coach uh and he was like yeah we'll leave it on there let's see what we have to work with and we actually just got off the phone today um and i did uh I did leave it on and I did a power test and I still don't know my numbers, but my coach does. So, (laughs) and I'm sure like, I mean, I did a power test and then I saw on my like ride with GPS, they're like, you set your third fastest time. So Mm. I know I've gone. (laughs) So like I said, when there's a, it's hard, it's hard to be out there and push yourself alone. And um, what about having a coach? How, yeah. For someone who doesn't, you know, who is very self-driven, what have you learned about the right way for you to be able to work with a coach? Well, I've worked with um, two coaches in my lifetime. One was in school with Fort Lewis College, um, Chris McGovern, and he's still a really great friend of mine. And he, and then my friend Rotem. And the common thread with all of my coaches is that they're my friends and they know who I am as a person. And they know that I am very much not a normal athlete in the sense of, you know, everything that we've been talking about. Like I don't, I used to really, really want training plans and I used to beg people for them because I always wanted that. And, and then I would get them and then I wouldn't do training and then I would feel guilty. And then it was just this whole downward spiral. And that was like when I was in college. And I think I just, um, thanks to a local legend here, Chad Cheney, um, who ran that, uh, chocolate factory team and who started Durango Devo with another, uh, woman, Sarah Tesher. He has, we call him like the spirit animal of cycling in, in Durango. And he kind of was the one who showed me how to just ride for fun. Um, and he has this, this saying, never forget the feeling. And it's, it's on the back of 
every kid's jersey NFTF and you'll see you know superstars like Chris Blevins always talks about never forget the feeling and Sep who's a pro tour writer now and they talk about this thing and and it's very much about um, the ride and the feeling of riding your bike and and pushing yourself and I don't know where I was going with all of this <laughs> working as a coach but that's good yeah yeah they, so get, they my know coaches, you they're your friends yeah they know I, yes I that, that is at the core so much sense <laughs> Um, yeah. And so Rotem works, works with that. And now he has actually some data to go off of to help me if, if we need it. But I mean, we're kind of just staying the course. Um, and since the pandemic has put racing um, on pause indefinitely. And I mean, I, I would be really surprised if there were any races this year. And that's something that is totally out of my control. But what I figured out, and, and I really struggled with that at first, like there was some like stress alleviation from not having to worry about defending my Belgium waffle ride title right now. Um, and so like, I kind of felt this wave of relief of like, oh my gosh, I don't have to like stress about that. And then it was like, oh my God, why am I, why am I training right now? Like, I mean, I'll still ride, but like, why, why bother training? And so I kind of went through that whole, like, the why behind everything. And then I decided that I called Rotem and I was like, I think I want a training plan. Like, I I think I need um, some structure in my day uh, because I'm also starting a graphic design business and it's really hard for me to balance. I really struggle with time management. Um, A lot of creative people have that piece. (laughs) I think we're just... Yeah, all the right and wrong mixtures of ADD and inspired at the, you know, whatever. So it's hard for me to, all of a sudden I look at the clock and it's 4 p.m. And I'm still sitting in my chamois trying to get stuff done and I haven't gone for my ride. Um, And so I was like, I think I need a training plan because there's nothing else to answer to right now. And um, I have been receiving a training plan for kind of the first time ever which is hilarious because there's no racing <laughs> to be great, seen, though. Yeah, but it's given me, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. Um, it's helped me be a lot mentally healthier right now and feel like at the end of the day, like a lot of other things might've gone wrong, but like I checked off, like I got my two hour mountain bike ride done and I did these things and someone is holding me accountable. And, and that's, that's, helping me. Um, and I guess we are actually, we are in the process of figuring out a meaningful challenge that I can do in the near future. Mm. Um, because there's no racing, um, you know, it was cool to see people do the Eversting challenge. Um, and, ah, the like hipster that I am, (laughs) I'm like, Oh, they're all doing it. I don't want (laughs) to do it. (laughs) I say hipster because Rotem was like, oh, you're such a hipster. <laughs> Which of course, I was like, I get it. Well, so, so I wasn't going to go there now, but on the hipster side, not wanting to do <laughs> something that's already been done. How does that like, you know, assuming we get back to racing or not in the next year, um, how does that influence like what you do you have your eyes set on new emerging things that no one's heard of and no one's done yes yes you're like (laughs) if if there is one i'm going to find it 
<laughs> now we're going to make it. <laughs> Are, yeah. Is there a, I always, well, you know, each sport evolves so quickly. Like, yeah, you know, like gravel became super cool. And I've, you know, a lot of people in the gravel biking scene then are worried that gravel will lose its cool. And then where does it go from there? If totally everybody, all the world tour teams are here and it becomes this big thing. Um, so what happens? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm like, sure I'm gonna... like gravel racing, I hope is going to attract a lot more people and I hope it gets really popular. Yeah. Um, it can never be road racing. Like there, there are gravel races that are like Kansas that obviously have attracted the pro tour road aspect, but then yeah. there's also races like the Oregon trail gravel grinder that's six or five days and it's way different. And if you notice that the two king and queen of gravel at that race didn't do so hot because it was totally different terrain. It's kind of like mountain biking, you know, yeah. like you See, can have fun. a different yeah. course. Um, and it's not just like climbers and sprinters. It's like the type of technical gravel will like determine. And then there's like grinduro, which is, way different that like something that Dylan, my boyfriend could win. Um, and you can also race it on a mountain bike. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that, I think it's just going to kind of evolve. Like there'll be races that are super popular for like the road racer kind of person. And, and there's going to be races that don't suit them and that, you know, mountain bikers are stoked on. And it is kind of this cool, like meeting place. Yeah. I, I, that's why that's I really cool. liked it. It's yeah. kind of a, it's a perfect case scenario for me because I have just enough like technical skills to separate me from road racers and keep me competitive with like the mountain bikers. But then I also can just like go for a very long time. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So I feel like it's a good, it's a good spot for me to be, but, um, yeah, I think with that challenge piece, like there's so much cool stuff out there. I mean, I, I'm lucky to live in a spot in Colorado where like we have these like insane mountain ranges around us and, um, there are some really burly challenges and something that I've never done is camping is I've never camped alone. Um, that very much scares me. And so I'm kind of working with Rotem to figure out a challenge that, uh, is mm. very possible for failure. <laughs> But it's really like we talked about. It's really good to fail at something. Awesome. Um, yeah. I'm gonna stay tuned to watch that. Yeah, um, I'll let you know. Yeah, that will be exciting. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, and so we've covered a lot, but on just quickly on the graphic design business. Um, yeah. What what type of design? What type of people do you work with? What's it yeah. look like? Um, it's been really fun. Um, I mean, I've always kind of had my graphic design, uh, business on the side of my racing. Like I'll, it's perfect for being a bike racer. You can travel with your work always. Um, and so it's always something I've done, but I've never actually had time, uh, to like hire an employee or grow it or work on my website and, you know, reach out and get some new clients and some new mediums. So, um, it's kind of started with just like, I've had like four or five clients always, but now, um, I get to work with, uh, my employee, which is awesome. And he's also a bike racer, of course. <laughs> so I'm like, sure, like go for your ride. Come on in. Like we'll work. 
this afternoon. Um, and it's, it's really cool to have another person to work with. Um, we do a lot of, um, we're actually like building a brand behind, uh, the company is called Oso Creative. Um, Oso means bear. And my mom used to call me Sari Bear. <laughs> and by used to, I mean, she still does. And I'm 30. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's fun. Like Henry and I will work on the brand elements. We have some cool uh, designs that we've kind of cooked up together. And they're like all over the place. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll send you my Instagram for yeah. the, the company. And it's you're going to laugh because you're like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> Awesome. It's a little bit like the blind leading the blind. We're like two bike racers with ADD playing around with colors on the computer. It's you'll have some magic there. Hopefully, it's gonna be fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great. And so, where can people find you who are listening? ProKit. You yeah. can find me on ProKit. That's right. I now have to look up your um, username. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you can find me there. Um, I really love Instagram as a platform. Um, I'll be coming out with some fun new projects that are kind of video based. Um, I bought a small school bus and so there's going to be some really cool content coming from that project that has been two years in the making. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Instagram I'm around. Um, and then you've written some great pieces for, 10 speed hmm. hero and topo design that we can put in the yeah, post yep. as well. Yeah. Oh, I also, I wrote something about Leadville, kind of what it was like um, to race that race. That is very much not a normal um, uh, summary of how that went. It involved some running fruit next to me. <laughs> so you can read about that on there. If you're curious about, um, racing Leadville 100. It's, uh, it's a special, it's a special, special event <laughs> in so many ra- ways. All right. <laughs> but yeah, We're I'll, putting uh, that I'll in. send you, you that. You yeah. built the anticipation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Running fruit. <laughs> All right. Well, we will follow along on your camping, biking adventure whenever it yes. happens. Although I'll now I don't know if we just created pressure by talking about it. <laughs> It's okay. I need a little pressure. Like, Remember, I need failure to, is good. Right. And yes. Yeah. And you can't procrastinate on it. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that one. We got it done. <laughs> All right. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Common Threads. If you liked the show, please tell your friends and followers on social media and encourage them to tune in. You can also leave a rating or review to help new listeners discover the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you're listening on. Or send me feedback directly on Twitter at David underscore Swain. And then head over to join our new platform for athletes at theprokit.com. <laughs>